right, Mark. Uh, I, I just I figured we should hit the record button as quickly as possible because no matter how short I think any of these discussions will go, we inevitably inevitably talk for about ninety minutes. So yeah, and this I I have a feeling we'll have a lot to say about these movies. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna come clean and say this was the first time I saw either of these movies all the way through. Okay, and yep. this is the second time for me for both movies. Okay, so it, it will have different perspectives on it for sure. Yep. So I've I've seen James Caan's The Gambler on TV, uh, playing I think once in a hotel room I stumbled across it, and I think uh once when I lived uh, I think once when I was in the barracks or when was it I I have some memory of being in like a I think it was when I was in the barracks where flipping TV uh, and it was on and the best someone was watching in the background. Okay, yeah. and but I but. I never, yeah, I don't know why I was never really drawn to, I, I'm realizing for someone who lived a life, lived a life of being a gambler, I didn't really seek out gambling movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there aren't that many. I mean, certainly this one is called the gambler. It's hard to, <laughs> to miss, but you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, there aren't that many gambling movies. I mean, movies that really are about gambling. There are plenty right. of movies that have gambling in them. Sure. But, you know, movies about gambling, it's a relatively short list. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Uh, okay. This is The Gambler. The first one, we'll talk about the first one that came out. It was in 1974 featuring James Caan, Paul Servino, James Woods even makes a camp. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's considered a cameo in 1974, but uh, James Woods has a small role in it. Lauren Hutton, who I, I actually couldn't like picture in anything else. I like, I was like, I don't. I was trying to like find her in my mind on something else that I've seen, and I actually had to look up her her movies and um, not not someone that I really. Um... Yeah, she was probably more famous for being a model, honestly. Okay. okay. But um, she's got some acting chops too, and yeah, she was in a few a few things. But yeah, she. Okay. I think she. I think she's most remembered as being a, a model. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so we were. I was, we were going to do a grab bag episode. No, I'm sorry. We were going to do let it ride with another movie. And then right. James Con passed. And I was yeah. like, well, I know I've never seen the gambler. This is just a good time to do this now. Uh, yeah. Let's recall on him. And then uh, Paul Zervino also passed uh, shortly right. after James Con did. So yeah. um, both of them here in this movie, both of them did a great job. Uh, Agreed. I thought, I thought in, in both of their roles. Yeah. So we start out with uh, he's at a uh, con is at a, a gambling parlor and he gets limited to two dimes at the blackjack table uh, and he's told it's for his own protection. And of course, as someone, Mark, who has been getting limited at uh, sports books right now, <laughs> I kind of laughed at this. I was like, man, this has been a problem for a long time. And then he goes to play craps and loses on a roll of aces. He goes to roulette and loses a couple of dimes there. And I'm like, oh, no, they really were trying to protect him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in that scene, the blackjack dealer actually lets him bet 3000. You don't right. realize it at the time. But that's why he's complaining. Hey, how come, you know, they let me bet 3,000 the hand before? And I don't know. They said, oh, they shouldn't have or whatever. So, right. yeah. Uh, one thing I one thing I appreciated is while he was at that blackjack table, he calls for a drink and then, like, never gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just shows you how real this movie is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and something I thought was real. So do you have, any, do you have anything, at this, uh, anything else at this gambling parlor here? Uh, no, uh, you know, it takes place in New York City. This is obviously right. uh, an illegal backroom uh, gambling hall, but yeah. Yeah. And 
Well, I guess one thing is worth noting: he when he goes to play roulette, he I, I believe I can't remember which number, which which color he chooses, but he chooses a color that wasn't hot or like or wasn't on a roll right. at that point, right? Right. I think he bet on black, and one of the players at the table said, "Oh, it's been coming up red all night." Right. <laughs> yep. Um, and so that was uh, that that gets called upon later in the Wahlberg movie, which is why I'm noting it here. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely. I guess we should probably say, at least from my point of view, it's going to be hard to for me to review these as two separate movies. Certainly, the second one I'm going to be comparing quite a bit. It might be a little right. bit easier on this first one, but yeah, there are definitely things that are reflected in both movies. Yep. And then at the end of this scene basically at this backroom casino we find out that he's stuck for around forty four thousand dollars forty four thousand dollars yeah in 1974 <laughs> yeah which is uh i did the quick why well, i didn't do the quick i looked it up uh it's about six it's about six times as much now so do the math in your head there uh a little you know almost uh 250k almost right so yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's not a light <laughs> bit of money. Right. I mean, ima- imagine owing a house to somebody. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> goodness gracious. Yep. So he's driving home. And one thing I really appreciated this right off the bat. He's as he's driving home, he's playing through the night of losing. Right. He's like they, they're, they're cutting away of him. Like he's driving, he's thinking, and they're cutting away to him at the tables and, and losing. And it almost seems like he's like reflecting on it. And that's, I, I've, I've mentioned this every time that we've noticed it, but when the, uh, in, in other movies, when the gambler has that moment of reflection or that, that frustration after the fact, because it's very real. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. And they do a good job on this. It's basically just very quick flashes with no audio back to scenes that we've seen as well and yep. yeah he's remembering yep he 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 gets he gets stopped in traffic on some back street or whatever and then like gets frustrated that he's that he's uh that the, that they're not moving and looks over and sees a basketball game and just gets out of his car to go play the game yeah. and i was like i'm sorry is your car still in traffic <laughs> <laughs> i didn't see you park I, the car <laughs> i'm sure it was yeah <laughs> so he just double gets, parked new york yeah. city just gets out of his car and he goes over and he challenges a young man uh one to one on a basketball game. Uh I think they put up he put up twenty dollars and they said they had a, a dime. And I think in we're used to a dime meaning a thousand dollars. I'm pretty sure in this sense they're meaning a literal dime. Literally ten cents, yes. yes. <laughs> uh and he puts it up, but he he ultimately loses and uh and has to cough up the cash. Yeah. And it I it was interesting. I was trying to remember we saw uh, you and I watched a movie here recently where there was a scene where the protagonist or anti-hero challenges some guys to a basketball game, yeah. knowing that he's going to lose and that he doesn't have any money and gets beat up. I'm trying to remember if that was uh, uh, all I, in. I, I can't even remember. Now, I am but, now trying to remember the which movie that was now, too. Yeah, but anyway, I guess oh, we don't Oh, that was to... California Split. Was it? I believe I, it was. You might be right. Okay, anyway, I thought it was interesting, you know, that – with, you know, two gambling related movies, there was a situation where, oh, you know, I, I, I gambling so important to me. I'm going to gamble in a situation where I know I'm going to lose. Right. You know, just because I, I like the action. So, yeah. So what, what I think is interesting about this is I, like many people, when I'm doing something with my friends, like to put action on it right at the golf course, yeah. wherever it may be. But I wouldn't see someone doing that and be like, oh, let me go get action. Like, let me go, like, 
participate in that with them just so I can get action in on it. Right. Like that, exactly. That's the yeah. impulse that I don't relate to. Right. And that's, you know, they're doing this. The the movie is telling us he has that impulse, right? right. He needs the action. Yeah. Yep. He is the professor of a literature class. And at the end of the, the lecture that, that the, the first lecture that we see him in, he ends the class with saying, I got buried last night. Anybody want to lend me 10,000 until the end of the semester? <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're just coming right out and telling everybody yeah. uh, that we're stuck. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I admit to people when I've, when people ask me, like, did you have action on the game last night? I will admit to them that I lost. I, I don't know if I'd ever be that brutally honest with people. Well, and I think the way he said it too, there were probably some students in the class that didn't realize he was being serious. Okay. Probably just yeah, the way fair. he said it, you know, right. that kind of thing. Well, one thing I want to bring up about this lecture too, because I think it's important as the movie goes on in his mindset. He lectures the class a little bit about Dostoevsky and Dostoevsky's uh, difference between reason and desire, mm -hmm. meaning that people, you know, can think reasonably, but desire often is what, uh, you know, wins over, even if it doesn't make sense. And that's certainly the mindset for a gambler. Now, I believe he's an English professor. I don't know why he was talking about Dostoevsky in the class because that's Russian literature, but I don't know. Maybe that was a different... I don't know that he was actually teaching an English class, but reason versus desire I thought was interesting. I, I'm glad you brought that up because as as he... There's a there's a couple parallels that they make with his lectures and, mm -hmm. and, and sort of the theme of being a gambler, but I was so busy like watching that I was like noticing it, but like didn't... I, taking notes would have been difficult on uh, the, the theme there. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, and you know, it's always di more difficult to take notes on a movie you haven't seen before. Right. Cause you don't want to miss anything. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he admits to his partner that he's stuck 44 K, yes. which um, <laughs> I, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I struggled with this because like she, she shows concern, but like also not surprised. Maybe at this point, she doesn't realize, Billy is the character's name, she doesn't right. realize just how deep it is or doesn't take him seriously or okay. doesn't realize who he owes the money to. Yeah, it's just not hitting her at this point, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, Axel uh, is his name. I'm not sure if you mentioned that. I Axel is, have, yeah. is uh, <laughs> James Kahn's character here. Uh, he goes, he admits to his mom that he needs money. And she asks if he's already gambled or if she is going, if he's going to gamble with the money she gives him, mm -hmm. which I thought was a really interesting question. I don't know if I would have thought to ask that, but it was, it's, it was a really, I was, I, th I thought it was a good question. And it actually kind of showed a little bit of insight to like the people writing it clearly understand gambling, right. I like our, our, our problem gambling and the way that we saw it in, in, uh, um, uh, win it all and other things where like some of the dialogue kind of cues you in that there was someone who was assisting with the writing that understood problem gambling. Yeah. James Toback is the screenwriter here. He obviously has had some experience with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could tell. And this is also a good way of showing that the mother is not completely oblivious to what's been going on in Axel's life. Right. Uh, she ultimately re refuses he uh axel is um uh he he oh, well you know what let, let me sorry. let me oh, let please. me bust in there because she does refuse 
but he's kind of, he makes it clear that he wants to count on her for the $10,000 if he needs it. That's kind of how it ends. It's not like, will you give me the $10,000 now? It's, uh, can I count on you right. for the $10,000 if I need it? I, maybe, I, I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, I don't know if point. you agree, but yeah. No, that, no that, that's a, yeah. It's it's sort of, um, it's, a, it's a form of manipulation, right? Uh, yeah, there you go, yeah. right. So Axel is uh, is with um, one of the loan shark, I don't know, employees. I don't know what the right name yeah, for. Yeah, like, like a driver, a collector. Yeah, one of the collector, collectors probably yeah. for the, the loan shark, right? And he's, he's thinking about borrowing money from a loan shark, right? Exactly. And they go to a guy's apartment. Uh, they're looking for payment. And the um, the guy's wife is there. Uh, he they, they, She claims that he's not there. And then the guy like destroys the place. And at first I was like, okay. And then I, you kind of, oh, this may be a signal to like, he's bringing Axel along on this sort of for the reality of like, this is what happens if you borrow and don't pay. Absolutely. So yeah, Axel gets picked up by this guy thinking that he's going, they're going straight to the loan shark. But then Carmine is his name, the, the collector. He says, oh, I got to make a quick stop. And that's, I, I I took it the same way that he's deliberately stopping to make a collection to show to Axel what happens if you don't pay. And the scene is particularly disturbing because it's kind of that unpleasant, gritty 1970s movie scene. You know, it's not the most graphically violent thing you've ever seen, but it's disturbing. The wife is very upset and crying and they're destroying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Axel ends up going to his grandfather, let's say ends up, but like the, we see him go to his grandfather's birthday. Right. He and, decides not to borrow from the le- the right. loan shark. When he finally meets with a loan shark, he, he just suddenly he doesn't want a part of it. So that's yeah, right. Cause he went, he got dropped off at that restaurant yeah. and, and makes a comment of like, I thought I was dealing with like, uh, I didn't realize like, I thought I was dealing with like a um I can't remember, it's like a professional, but I got the clerk or something like that. It makes some like comment, like sort of uh insults the gentleman that he's working with and and or talking to and, and walks out without the without taking the loan. Right. And they they even got into some specifics. Axel wanted to borrow twenty thousand dollars. The loan shark said it would be three percent a week, which works out to about six hundred dollars. And Axel says he makes fifteen hundred dollars a month teaching. So, you know, he would barely be able to pay that beyond any other expenses he has. So that and kind of disliking the guy and maybe being scared off, too, by that stop. um, He decides not to to borrow the money. Right. He goes to his grandfather's birthday party and he gives a really fantastic toast. Uh, I (laughs) thought it was a it was a well-written toast and I thought James Caan delivered it well. I just it's not gambling related, but I had to put the note here because I enjoyed it. It is good. And that scene also also shows that Axel comes from wealth. His grandfather, you know, right. uh, built up from nothing and and obviously is extremely well off and could probably pay off, you know, a forty four thousand dollar debt uh, like nothing if if he wanted to. So he's talking to his mother in a in a, in a following scene and. Um, they're on the beach and it was a really weird way of like, <laughs> it was such it at first I was, so he, they're at the beach, his mom's in the water, he's out on the sand and he writes 44,000 in the sand yeah. and then like waits for her to notice it. 
And then she's like, wait, what's that? And he's like, that's that's how much I owe. And she responds, how is that possible? And he just straight says, I gambled and I lost. And her response was, have I been such a failure? And I I don't I don't have a kid yet. One is on the way. Um, Like. I mean, you're a father, like, would you and, and a gambler like. I don't know if you're willing to, I don't know if this gets too personal, but like if you found out that you, one of your kids had a problem with this, would you view it as your failure? I think any big problem that a child has, your child has, you're going to feel some guilt about it, even if it has nothing to do with you, sure. you know, circumstance or whatever. Yeah, sure. That's just, you know, the bond that you have. So that's fair. yeah, yeah I, this is a, a very legitimate thing for her to say. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I it, it it seemed legitimate. I just I couldn't sure. uh, relate to it, so I, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't sure if there was like stereotypical writing or if there was um um. No, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, there's guilt. There's anger. You know, are yeah. you angry at the kid? Or are you angry at yourself? Oh, sure. Frustration. Sure. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, uh, his mom is cleaning out her bank accounts for him. Uh, she's uh she she goes to a couple different accounts and uh she's she's concerned that he's going to uh she, she wonders if he's going to go straight home um and and just pay this off uh you know obviously concerned that he might do other nefarious things with it and she she's a great line you better do some painful thinking mm-hmm. and i really i really appreciated that line uh because there's not serious thinking it's not deep thinking painful thinking right because <laughs> yeah, what, that's great. because i i think as humans we know that when you're trying to overcome a personal struggle it's painful to get th- you know get through the the introspectiveness to to realize that you're at fault or that you have a problem that you're hurting other people and that um that the solution isn't easy and so I th- th- that inclusion of the word painful there, I think I thought was really good. Uh, he he's on the road with uh, with Billy, his girl, and he calls a bookie by uh, by a payphone. He wants three games at 15 dimes a pop. Now we're back to uh, fi- a dime, meaning a thousand dollars here. 15 dimes a pop. The bookie wants to cut ca- uh, the cash up front. He says no deal. Then a little bit later, he's back at another uh, another uh, payphone. Calls back. He gets the lines and makes the makes the the statement. These games are like handouts. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I was like, well, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. One thing I like about some of the dialogue here too, and again, it, it shows that James Toback uh, probably was a gambler. Uh, you know, certainly knew the terminology. Uh, Ale- Axel is frustrated that the bookie is asking for the money up front and he says lay it off you've got time and that's the kind of that's the whole line and if you're not a gambler you wouldn't necessarily know what that means but what he's telling his bookie is hey bookie you go make some bets with other bookies to cover my bets just in case that's what he's saying you've got time lay it off that's all that was said so i appreciate little things like that yeah yeah that's a good point that's a that's a good catch he uh, him and his girl, they go to Vegas, um, which I thought w- was interesting because they're in New York. Um, and they just randomly go to, to go to Vegas. Not that Vegas isn't somewhere people, New Yorkers go, but 
Um, I thought maybe Ace was AC a thing in the seventies. No, know, right? uh, no, I guess no, that so wasn't. No, yeah, seventy four. It was Vegas or nothing. Yeah, that's Unless a great point. Went to illegal places. So yeah, that was yeah. it. Okay. And I love too when she's saying, well, "Well, you know, don't lose that money." And he says, "I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to gamble it." I love yeah. that line. I had that's yes. my next note here. It's yep, so yep. good. <laughs> I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to gamble it. If I ever said that to my wife, that'd be the last time I ever gambled ever again. <laughs> That's why that line is so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's downtown. You see, you see like the gold nugget in the background and such. He's playing roulette and he's winning. He's playing Baccarat, which that was good. It, uh, cool. It was an all cash game. And he's all playing... cash Baccarat. I loved that. Yeah, that yes. was great. Uh, he's playing the banker, which of course I loved and he's winning um, and he's actually, he's, he's being responsible. He's playing, he's getting up and he's leaving, right? He's like, uh, okay, we're done here. We're done here. And he has racks of chips playing at the blackjack table, racks of them. And he gets an 18 and he doubles, uh, he doubles down on his 18. And of course the dealer looks at him funny and, and he's like, are, are, like, are you crazy or something like that? And he's like, no, I'm blessed. <laughs> and he and he says, "Give me the three, and he gets dealt the three. And I was like, "Well, that's just smart gambling. And that's probably the most famous scene in the movie, I think, because, yeah, it's obviously ridiculous. He knows it's ridiculous, but now it kind of harkens back to that reason versus desire. right. <laughs> you know, he feels like he's on a heater, you know, because his he's he's checking the scores on those games that he bet on. And everything's going his yes. way, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like he can do no wrong. And so, you know, he, yeah, he doubles down on the 18. So, you know, whether you like the scene or not, it's probably the most famous scene. And it just shows, um, you know, what uh, what a problem gambler he is. So, yep. yeah, the uh, the shot of him in the suit with the sh I think the lights in the behind him, like that's I think it's probably the shot you see the most when people are are posting about this movie um uh it's, it's an iconic look for for him in in the movie and that's the scene that it, that takes place in and as you and you mentioned i forgot to put it in the notes before he goes on this heater he checks the scores and he hears two of them are in favor and he doesn't even want to hear the third one because he, yeah. he just he feels so confident and he runs and he goes on this little heater well he comes back to his house and his bookies come to the door to collect and he's like what are you talking about and then he's and he's like they were winning and the book is like well they don't grade at halftime which i thought was a, which i thought was a nice line nice line and he has to cough up the uh 15 plus the vig so yeah um, let me let yeah. me go back to uh some of the vegas scenes a little bit because i Please. have a couple of notes here too um the there is a scene where he it's the end of the night and he's in bed and I almost thought he was going to get up out of bed and go back down to the casino. I don't know if you've ever done this. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who have done this where you're, you're done for the night. You go up to the room, you get in bed. Maybe you lie there for, you know, a half hour. And you think I'm going to go back and play and you get dressed and you go back down to the casino. That's not what he did, but <laughs> I know I've done it. And I thought, Oh, you know, maybe he will. Uh, there's also a scene uh, when they wake up. I, I can't remember if it's the middle of the night or the next morning where Billy basically tells him a story to scare him into not losing all the money that he's won. Right. A terrible story from her past where she was dating somebody who got into a lot, a lot of trouble. And um, 
he basically just kind of blows her off, just kind of treats her kind of crappy after that. So, you know, that's a, you can tell things are going to go bad uh, from that point. Also, uh, if you look, I was trying to really place where they were. I think they stayed at the dunes. Yes. There's a sign. There's a sign in one of the first shots and when they're in the casino uh, advertising, I think an entertainment thing or Uh, or concert and it says at the dunes. Okay. So, and that's where uh, Bellagio is right now. And when they go downtown, I'm pretty sure they go into the mint, which is now part of Binion's. Binion's kind of took over the the mint space too. Um, So anyway, those are the things I have from Vegas. Okay. The, your, the, I don't know if I've ever like gone upstairs and then re- decided, never mind, I'm going to go back downstairs <laughs> before. Cause it, my, my problem is going, getting from the table to leaving the casino to go to bed. Right. That's my problem. Like the, I, I suffer from the one more game. Um, you know, like I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to go to bed yet. Let me, okay. let, you know, yeah. like, you know, let me, let me play a little bit of, pie gal before i go to bed or one more round of craps or whatever it may be a little bit i'm usually pretty good if i get to uh get to my bedroom or get to the hotel room however when i inevitably wake up at 3 30 in the morning because uh you know my sleep's messed up or i'm on east coast time whatever if i can't fall back to sleep quickly i will just be like f it let me i'm going downstairs (laughs) um and start the day very early okay the the bookies um they go to leave his his house after they collect the the 45k in, uh with vig and he chases them down to make a bet on the leg he's a, he's a, what do they got it's like it's a pick him he's like pick him uh he's like he asked which side do you need which i appreciate so he's i love asking, that yeah yes so he's asking he's asking the book the bookies like you know which side do you need to win so you don't lose uh you know who, who you know which side are other people taking he's like well everybody's on on seattle so they need the lakers and he says well let me get you know let me get the the lakers and I assume that what he's doing is he knows they're going to be resistant to taking a bet. So he's almost trying to do them a favor, right? Yeah. Well, like, he well, almost like, comes right out and say, Hey, I'm doing you a favor. I'm covering your bets. Right. Yep. Right. So now he's evening out the, the action and they can just collect Vig. And uh, it's uh, I, if you listen to things like if, you know, Chris Andrews does this when he's on, on program, stuff like that. Bookmakers will tell you like which side they needed in a mm-hmm. game, right? Like, you know, and, and, um, it's not all balanced action and book and bookmakers are cheering in certain sides on Sundays. Right. You know, so. Yeah. I know, you know, we talk about when we're like explaining sports betting to a novice, you know, one of the things we say is, Oh, well, you know, they take 10% on each side. And so that way, you know, they, they guaranteed to make money, but in reality, yeah, <laughs> for most bets, there's a lot of action on one side more than the other. Yep. He, um, this, this very much felt like a high watermark chase, right? He comes back from Vegas with uh, com- making a ton of money at the tables. He assumes he has won the sports bets. And now that high watermark has dropped down because he lost those sports bets. Right. And yep. it very much feels like he's desperate to get back to that high watermark, which I have admitted in the bet on the better life a number of times is definitely my most vulnerable moment in mm-hmm. chasing losses um, is being at a certain point, losing a little bit and then w- w- wanting to get back to that, that point. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what poker player coined it. I want to say Negranu, but I might be wrong. It was a term called upstuck when oh. you're not stuck 
meaning you're not down money, but you're down from your high point. And I believe they called it upstuck. And that's what the feeling is, is like, okay, you're still ahead, but you're not ahead as much as you were. And that's what's getting to you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really, I, like I would want, I'd, I'd really like to hear people smarter than I on the uh, human psyche of like what is happening in that moment, right? Like yeah. psychologically and why, um, you know, why we can't compare our current state of money to what we started with rather than where it's most recently been. Exactly. Um, and that's what, why a lot of people end up losing it all, yep. right? Is because they're trying to get back to that point. So yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, uh, his, he's back with Billy and she, she has, she has this line, you're throwing it, uh, you're just throwing it away. And I don't only mean money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, um, uh, responds with, it's just something I like to do. I like the uncertainty and the threat of losing. I love winning even, or he's like, I love winning though. It never lasts. Yep. And so it's, it, I mean, it's, it's through and through like cl- the the writing clearly understands problem gambling right the that in that line i like the uncertainty and the threat of losing is uh i mean that should be a motivational poster inside <laughs> of gambling anonymous meetings yeah. right yep i yeah. i wrote down the same line because yeah i thought it was that good it shows his mindset and we're seeing his relationship with billy deteriorating too and you know that yeah. kind of uh, helps push that along as well yep He's he's in the so he's in the bathtub listening to the radio of the Lakers, uh, Lakers Sonics game, and the game loses at the buzzer. And this made me think, what is like the <laughs> Mark? I, I know you don't bet on sports quite as quite like I do. Um, but do, have you ever gone to like great lengths to just like track a game or listen to like like keep track of a game, uh, for uh, for the results? No, because I know it would drive me crazy. Okay. But that's also what makes this such a great scene. And it's so great that it's on radio. If it had been him in the bathtub watching television, it wouldn't have the same effect. He's in the tub. He's listening to the game. Towards the end, it could go either way. You know, suddenly he's ahead, suddenly he's behind, you know, that kind of thing. It's a great scene. And as soon as he realizes he's lost, the audio from the radio fades away just within the movie. He's not turning the volume down in real life. It's just going away. And you know, that's basically in his head, right? He's, he's not hearing the radio anymore. He's trying to deal with the pain of having just lost, you know, another $50,000. It's a great scene. Yep. He, I have definitely, had action on uh on 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 a soccer match before and and had it on my phone <laughs> as i like for the for 90 minutes have it on my phone as i was doing like chores and everything including taking a bath or right? like i think i'll go through my entire <laughs> like evening chores draw a bath sit down holding the phone in front of me um yeah. well shoot when we were in biloxi you had the game on when we were playing craps <laughs> you were right. ducked down below the table <laughs> That's right. That's uh that may be one of the more unique ways that I've uh, watched a game uh, <laughs> that I had action on. It won too, which was fun. The uh the, the, the what is it? He meets oh yeah. So the, the gambler that was in the first scene that that uh that is at the roulette table in which he comments, you know, it's been red all night. Uh 
Axel goes to meet him and Axel's like just looking for a pick. So I guess this guy was a, a handicapper he respected. I was kind of confused. Like, like, yeah, why that's you're... what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. supposedly this guy's got inside information or whatever, but yeah, that's all he wanted was just a, a pick. So he goes in there and then he listens to the game on a radio in a movie theater. Yeah. He's just got a transistor radio. I don't know why he decided to go to a movie, but yeah, that was weird. That, that I, that I didn't get. Like, yeah. why is he sitting in a movie theater doing this? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Okay, yeah. well, there we were. Yep. <laughs> uh, the uh, what's the what's the sharp the sharp uh, hips? I think is his name. Hips. Is right. The, that sounds right. Hips. Yeah. yeah. Um, hips. Uh, who is um who's the who is played by Paul Servino? Yep. Uh, who's sort of the sort of acting the, the almost the, the liaison, if you will, between the shark who who's who is ultimately who ultimately owes, uh, and an Axel. And they're in the car and he's like, and he admits that he's never bet because he's seen too many degenerates. And you hear this a lot from people, right? You hear that mm-hmm. they don't gamble because they've seen what it does to people. Right. And they, yeah. and that's often, and whether it's because they were personally affected by someone or they just were around it or like, Nope. Um, and I, I mean, I don't mean to chuckle there, but I think one of the, something I've, you know, in my, uh, 30 something years of life that I've noticed is that the, when someone tells me that they've never done a certain vice, it's, it's almost always because they've had some sort of firsthand exposure to how bad it can get. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. And hips is a good character. Well, good in that he's Axel's friend too. Yes. You can tell, right. He's not like an adversary. He feels for him, but you know, he's trying to get Axel to realize the reality of all this. Yeah. So, as much as I've appreciated the the realities of the problem gambling and how 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 uh, clear it is that there's connection from the writers to the, Axel claims that he could win if he wanted to. If I knew all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. And I struggled hearing that. I think that is a that is something you will hear a problem gambler say to almost feel like that there is a safety net or there is an escape route, right? Like yeah. at any point I could turn it on and go the other way. Um because and the only reason I struggle with this is if I if I knew all of my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. Mark, I uh, I've had plenty of bets that I was confident in that it's still <laughs> it's still yeah. there's still a sweat right there's it's not like oh I just I look I know there's some people like there's professionals that are that are objective about it and it's just like it's just a it's just a market and they just it's just sort of they go through the process but as a rec plus player like myself I mean yeah a substantial bet on something that I'm confident in still brings that action that that you know that most gamblers feel but after after hearing it and then and after the movie was over and sort of thinking about it I think that sort of a like I can quit when I want to type line yeah, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's more true for a real problem gambler. Yeah. Certainly something that's consistent in the way media portrays degenerate gamblers. And there's probably a certain amount of truth to this is that they want to lose. Yes, That's probably an oversimplification, but ultimately they want to lose. They've got, maybe it's because they don't have any self-esteem or whatever, or they just, you know, that's what and you certainly saw that in owning Mahoney. Yes. Right. Where it's like, he just, 
He just played until he didn't have any more money left. He never wanted to stop. So obviously the only time you stop is when you've lost it all, when you're forced to. So uh, yeah, again, uh, maybe not completely true, but certainly if you're looking for some black and white uh, Aesop fable, uh, right. that's one way to look at it. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, Al Pacino's monologue where he's talking about when he's with the prom gamblers and talking about, uh, you know, it's about this fucked up need to lose and uh-huh, feel, yeah. some, feel something, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Hips, um, I'm sorry, uh, his, the, the shark that the, the person he ultimately owes money to has some, some of his minions pick him up and the guy is asking him how he can pay and he and and he's like i don't know i don't have any money i can't, I can't uh you know i don't know and the, the the guy even says your own grandfather won't even help you and he's like wait, wait what are you talking about yes he will and he learned no, I've, we've already talked to him and he <laughs> yeah. won't do it right yeah. and 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 axel is is you know feels betrayed right he feels like his grandfather who you can see in different parts of the movie clearly like cared for him but the the shark was even like he's a businessman like he's not gonna take a bad investment like this yeah. it's a bad mm-hmm. deal uh so the, he's told that this back this basketball player that is in his literature class uh can can help everybody out if he just agrees to point shave to to rig the upcoming coming game axel talks to the player the player kind of is, is like uh kind of wavers a little bit but then ultimately agrees and right. it works. Yeah, let's talk about point shaving a little bit just because yeah. some people might not know. So the, the idea behind point shaving is not necessarily to throw a game, but to guarantee that a game falls on one side of the line. So in this case, the team uh, that they're trying to get this player to point shave on, they're favored by eight points. Yep. So the line is minus eight on them. So they're telling this player, it's okay to win. You just have to win by seven or less. And so that's kind of the essence of point shaving. That's why you don't necessarily hear throw a game. It's just that maybe you miss a few baskets here or there so that the final score falls on one side of the line. Right. And when you, when you're able to get a hold of a key player, that's going to have possession a lot. um, You, you know, like, like this player did, you are sort of it's it's easier for that player to both perform well and sort of ensure their team performs at the level they they hope they will while also controlling you know you know times when you know just throwing slightly off on that shot you know every once in a while to to keep the points down and you're right it's it's very different from like having like a boxer throw a fight <laughs> right, or right, something right, like that right, right. and I, I wanted to talk about it because i was thinking you know your show our show gosh a lot of gambling shows, I don't think we've talked about point shaving at all. Now, you know, it's illegal. That's one of the reasons we're not involved in it, but it's certainly something that happens. So, so there is, there are a handful of examples of point shaving from uh, history. It happens probably most often in college basketball mm, yeah. because that is where, that is where syndicates can get big money down making it worth paying off the players to do this right that's kind of the key here right like you can't you know if i wanted to if i wanted to try to like pay off a a goalkeeper in the usl to let one sneak by 
you know, I'm not going to be able to get enough money down, down on this game <laughs> to make it worth paying him enough where he's even interested. Right. Yeah. And so, which is what, one of the reasons why I always laugh at like when, when sports betting was being legalized, like, Oh, what about corruption, you know, in the NFL? No, 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 no one there's, there's isn't one player that plays for the NFL that has any influence on the outcome of a game There you go. that is going to get paid enough or that a syndicate can afford to pay off because not only do that, not only do they have to afford paying off that player, they now have to get enough money down right. to make that worth it. And like, that's not easy to get like, unless you're a mattress Mac or someone like that, you may not be able to now I'm not saying it obviously it happens because this has been a problem for as long as sports betting and sports to existed together, yep, yep. but it's not, you know, the corruption, there's a fine, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a needle to thread there, right? It's like you need, it needs to be with a player that's influential enough, but you need to be able to get money, enough money down to make paying off that player enough for they want to do it all worth it. Right. Um, yeah. You're, you're yep. right. College basketball is where this is most likely to happen much more likely than any other sport. Yes. I do want to take this opportunity though, to, uh, to mention that there is a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if it's out now or soon to be out. I think maybe it's uh, maybe, I think it might actually just come out this month. Anyways, it's called operation flagrant. Oh, it was called, um, untold. I think is actually the name of it. And I think I can't remember, but it's a Tim Donahue story. Yeah. Tim Donahue was a referee in the NBA who was known for betting on games and helping fix the games. And the way that he was controlling the game was using technical rules to influence certain plays, right? So he was essentially just being a stickler for the rules in ways that benefited the way that he needed the game to go. And for a long time, he was just seen as being a stickler official until, of course, they learned about the corruption and, you know, down he went as a um, uh, as a black eye on the nba but um yeah that's that it, not not point shaving but related to you know fixing games and right. and 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 a very rare case in uh professional league yep yep okay uh the uh yeah the the, the game it goes there's a little bit of suspense of like of uh of will it work will it won't it works uh and yep. everything's good james con or apparently didn't bet on the game himself uh yeah kind of got that feeling too right yeah yeah which i i mean we'll, we'll talk about this in the next movie but yeah, right i was like i mean why not take this you're not going to get this opportunity very often uh you like you know well a axel is obviously going down a very dark hole at this point and yeah. so I think that might be one reason that's fair. Like he's, he's mentally, he's turning off or he's decided that he's not worthy of any happiness or success. So that could explain it. That's fair. The movie ends with him going into an, uh, a part of town that he may not belong in and inquiring with the lady of the nights, creating a problem with her, creating a problem with it, with her pimp getting in a fight with both of them, getting cut by the woman, and then looking in the mirror with this big cut on the side of his face. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't watched the movie yet, that's on you. This movie's been around for, <laughs> what, 50 years? So if yeah, because that's the ending of the movie, folks. So. Yeah, because that's that's it. 
Uh, and I have, I have right here, Mark, in in all caps, weird fucking ending. <laughs> and uh, there you go. It's basically what I was talking about. He feels he deserves this. He yeah. goes to a place where he figures he could get killed, uh, uh, and at the very least, get roughed up pretty badly. And so this is his own punishment for himself, for what he's become, for what he's done to this young basketball player. Um, there's your message there, right? Is yeah. that he doesn't feel like he's uh, worth it. He doesn't have, doesn't feel like he deserves to live. So it's so a I, downer of an ending. There you go. Yes, it, it really was. I like, he looks in the mirror and then it cuts the credits and I was like, okay, okay. that's that's how we're finishing that. There All you right. go, 1970s, right? You know, the, the movie definitely has a 1970s feel, you know, kind of a grittiness yeah. to it. It was during New Hollywood and sort of the tour directors. And, you know, this was, I think, a pretty good example of what a lot of movies, certainly in the early 70s, were like. So I, I have this, I have a note following the, the next movie on sort of what the... Obviously, these these are gambling movies, and we'll see in the next one. These are both movies that sort of feature who you assume to be a problem gambler. But the theme to this is self-loathing. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's the theme. Um, it just yep. happens to manifest in gambling. Yep, exactly. Yep. yep. Let me uh, uh, go back and talk about some cameos Please. or some uh, familiar faces that you might see if you're an old-time movie fan or TV fan. Uh, in the scene where he's playing basketball with the basketball players, one of the players is Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, who is most well known for playing Freddie Boom Boom Washington on Welcome Back, Cotter, popular sitcom from the 70s. The collector for the loan shark that Axel ultimately does not borrow from is Burt Young, who you would recognize from all the Rocky films. Um, like we said, James Wood has James Woods has a cameo. Yeah, it's hard to say cameo when he, you know, he was unknown at the time, but a small role as uh, one of the bank tellers. Uh, in Vegas, there is a player at the table who apparently is playing the don't on the craps because he seems to be rooting against Axel. I wonder, yeah, uh, uh, the Cowboys. The uh, Cowboy, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. That's the only thing that made sense to me. He, he seemed like he was asking for a seven and, and you know, losing to that. That's Stuart Margolin, a character actor, uh, probably best known as playing Angel, Jim Rockford's best friend on the Rockford Files. When they're in Vegas, Axel goes to a bar to get a drink, and he's curious about the scores of the games that he's bet on. And he yes. talks to a fellow gambler there. That is M. Emmett Walsh, probably one of the best known character actors that nobody can remember the name of <laughs> uh, but uh you'd re you recognize his face uh immediately if you've seen any kind of you know tv and motion pictures from the latter part of the 20th century m emmett walsh is his name great character actor and then finally the loan shark at the end who I, the only name in the credits they had for him was one they called him one so mm. i don't know what his name was but that that ultimate one that asks axel to get the kid to throw the game that is vic tayback who is best known as mel the owner of mel's diner on the sitcom alice so oh, if you go back okay. there a cornucopia of familiar faces uh, who you may not know the names, but you'll certainly uh, recognize them as being in a lot of stuff from that time. So there you go. They're very good. Thank you, Mark. You bet. Yeah, this is uh, the, I, I wouldn't, this movie is a little before my time. Uh, I understand. Uh, so uh, 
you know the um was was I already forgot the um uh, Scorvino and and Khan uh, obviously were the two I recognized immediately. Sure, sure. Um, and then when I saw, what's funny is I I didn't notice the James Woods ca- um credit until after the movie, and I was like, what? That was James Woods. <laughs> so yeah. I went to, if if I hadn't looked it up, there's no way I would have gotten there. Yeah, and there's no James Woodiness to the scene, right? right? He's yeah. just this bank teller, you know, so. <laughs> so The Gambler was then remade in 2014. Some similarities, of course, are the general plots. There are some callbacks on certain scenes. The runtime is actually exactly the same <laughs> at one hour and 51 minutes, which I thought was, um, I don't know if that was on purpose or just a really I doubt it because but... I'm sure the second movie had way more credits at the end. You know, back in the oh, 70s, that's they fair. didn't have very long credit scenes. So <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Uh, so that the exact same runtime, by the way, I, I don't know where I, I watched the original gambler on YouTube. I just rented it on YouTube. Um, I think it might've been available on prime video as well. No, I actually had to pay for it myself too, through prime video. So okay. I shouldn't say no, it is available for, through prime video, but not part of their, of their regular package. I had to pay for it as well. I couldn't find any, uh, service where it was being shown. So yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, 2014, The Gambler, featuring Mark Wahlberg, John Goodman's in here, Brie Larson is in this, uh, and then, of course, Michael Kenneth Williams, one of the greatest actors of this Fantastic. generation. Um, I mean, I, we'll compare movies, but uh, both movies, I mean, you just ran down a bunch of names that I was unfamiliar with. These are a bunch of names that I think, I mean, th- these are all good actors, right? These right. are all yep. solid yep. actors, so yep. uh, well cast in both ways, and it's the same production company. It's the same yeah. um, Shartoff Winkler Productions. I don't know why I noticed that, but those were that was the the production company for both uh, both movies. So uh, yeah, the lead production was was done by the same company. Let me start by saying just at the very beginning of the movie, when it's just the Paramount Pictures, you know, logo and the stars coming in and everything. I don't know why they did this, but you hear like a big six wheel clicking. You know, click 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 yeah. click 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 click. click. But then you hear a roulette ball falling into a number at the end. So, I, you know, the, I know what they were going for, you know, kind of click, 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 click. But then there's a roulette ball. So, okay. Can I can I tell you what I think it is? Okay, go. That insight of, of understanding gambling was not in this one. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll say right up front. Yes. That, that the the gambling in the first one, the actual gambling is pretty spot on in the original. And I have plenty of mistakes to point out in the second one. Yep. Yep. The, that was that to me that that was the most glaring difference was how accurate the 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 character of the gambler and the gambling itself was. Yes. And you know, I'm not going to come right out and say that the original is better than the second because there's some differences that are so great that I don't think they can be compared. Right. But that's, you take it how it is. Well, I'll just say right now, the first movie is way more realistic, not just in the gambling, but overall. The second movie is high production, Hollywood, um, and the dialogue is sort of lyrical in a way uh Mm -hmm. people don't talk in the second movie like real people talk now that's not necessarily a criticism because i think some of the dialogue in the second movie is excellent 
but it's more sort of prose than actual uh, realistic dialogue. That is a fantastic way of explaining it. I okay. was trying <laughs> to put my finger on how to describe that. That's exactly that's that's a perfect way of describing okay, it. Okay, good. Because I had the same. Because he's in the. Well, we'll get to the scene. So uh, Jim is our main character. That is who Mark Wahlberg plays here. Uh, at the front, his grandfather dies, and then he goes to an underground gambling parlor like one does, right? You you, you go to a funeral for a family member, you go to gamble a little That's bit. That's right. right. And the yep. grandfather is actor George Kennedy. It was his final role. I think most people uh, our age, your age, would probably remember him from the um, Naked Gun movies, but he's sure. a longtime uh, actor, George Kennedy, last role. And yeah, he dies in the first scene. <laughs> so he goes to play Blackjack. He's dealt a 19. He wins. He lets it all ride. By the way, he starts with 10,000. Yeah. With, with a check, by the way. I always appreciate it when they use actual checks. Um, and by that, I mean the square, uh, I don't know, checks. I don't know. I know them as checks. I don't know what yeah, else yeah, to they're not. Them. They're not round chips. They're, right. they're the checks. You, The only place I've ever seen them live are at Circa. They've got them yes. on the table there. But yes. Yeah. I always appreciate it when, uh, when you see that in these higher, uh, denominations. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. He lets it ride. He's dealt a 15. He hits, takes a six. He wins. He lets it all ride. He's dealt a 15. He stays in a dealer busts. He plays again and he ultimately busts. Um, he has 40,000 left in front of him and he may, he takes another marker for 40 K. So he asked double it the, and essentially asking like you, put up 40k for me uh the dealer looks uh looks at him weird looks over at the guy who makes decisions the guy who makes decisions nods he gets his uh his extra 40k he gets he gets dealt nine with an ace and mark i've played blackjack too many times to not know exactly what was about to happen <laughs> yeah because i have a i have a glaring memory of when i had a nine and i hit and i doubled down and got my ace and thought oh that was oh never mind <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah they kind of telegraphed that one yep uh, he then meets, uh, he meets Kenneth, uh, Kenneth, or, um, I'm sorry, uh, Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, who is Neville, um, in this, uh, in this movie and they go to cut cards, essentially like, uh, cut random cards in the deck and, and who has the highest card wins, uh, and he loses his last $500 to Neville's King of Spades. He admits to being a loser and Neville labels him as a loser saying like, you seem like someone who likes to lose. And this is uh, not only uh par for the course on this type of movie, but also a parallel to the original 1974. Right. And Jim's answer to him is life's a losing proposition, right? You might as well get it over with. So you've got his mindset right away. Yep. Uh, then we learn now, one thing, I, uh, one little tricky thing I like that, uh, that I appreciate is you see him take the marker for 40K and lose it and think, oh, wow, he's down 40K. He's stuck 40K. Nope. We learn he's down 240K. He had $200,000 in debt going into that situation. And then he has seven days to pay it. He owes the Koreans this much. So it's a Korean joint that he's in. Neville then stakes him 50K at 20 points. <laughs> Let me tell you, everybody, if you decide to take money, like if you're ever in a situation where the only person you're getting money from is someone who's going to put 20 points on it, you're in a bad spot. Yep. Uh, and just if you don't know, that's 20%. What does yes. he owe it in a week? So that's $10,000 he's going to owe for the 50000 he's borrowed. That That is a that is a, more losing propositions added on the losing propositions. He's back at the blackjack table. 
and they give a they they limit they, they try to limit his bet and they call they say it's four year protection, which I thought was a nice uh, parallel to what we heard in the opening scene of the nineteen seventy four movie. Uh, he runs it all the way back to two hundred and forty k, and you're like, our man's back! What a great opening <laughs> scene! And then the de- as the degenerate that he is, he sees uh, he goes to, he sees the roulette wheel. And uh, another parallel to the 1974, he he chooses black, um, and the person says, "Well, it's been red all nights," and uh, it ends up losing. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple things about this opening scene. First of all, it, this is clearly an illegal backroom casino, but oh my gosh, is this place nice? I mean, so nice. it's ridiculously nice. Like what, you know, they've got surveillance and everything. And at the end, when he's driving away, it, it looks like Malibu. It looks like he's driving away from a Malibu address. So, you know, this, this is kind of an indication of what I was talking about, how this high production on this and a Hollywood movie. I mean, I kind of like the casino. Yeah. It's just, if you're, if you're thinking realistically, wait, what, this is a backroom backroom casino. Plus it's California. They established that fairly early on where casinos are legal, (laughs) right? So it's not like 1974, New York, where if you want to gamble in New York, you've got to go to some backroom casino. Um, There is one point when he's, he is trying to bet more and they're trying to limit him. He actually says, Hey, there's no limit as if, that's the rule at the casino that they don't have a limit. Uh, I, you know, find that hard mm. to believe. Maybe it was just him talking. Yeah. But the thing that really got me Uh-oh. was he was dealt blackjack at one point. Oh, and, they and play, the dealer they... clearly paid him two to one. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. They didn't even try to make it three to two. Yeah. Clearly. So, you know, this kind of goes to the, I don't know if it's producers, directors. I don't think it's the screenwriters so much but just not caring too much about the details on the gambling. You know, as Staple, Joe Stapleton, you know, when, when I was talking to him about card counter, yeah. you know, he explained, he's like, yeah, they took a lot of things I said seriously, but what, you know, in, in the end, if the director didn't care, they didn't care. You yeah. Know, like, right. You, it, know, you know, I, 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 I see that. I understand yeah. a director wants something to happen. But this, I don't know. This is pretty easy to do if you just have anybody who knows anything about gambling. You know, right? Hey, it's three to two. I whatever. But uh, I guess the point being that it, you can even have someone who knows better, right, pointing out this is wrong, and all it takes is one decision maker who doesn't know better and doesn't care to. Uh, yeah, sure. To, you know, not oh, a mistake to make. Yeah, people in the audience don't know, and right. it's impressive when he's getting a stack that's twice as big. So, right. yeah, I, that could have been the conversation. Exactly. Uh, so the uh, yeah, we see a classroom scene. This is where, like, like you said, there are a lot of pros. Like, there's like there are a lot of you know they're talking about him being a novelist and stuff like that. It's actually a pretty pretty. Uh, I actually kind of like the way the scene was shot and the pace of it and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, no gambling there. There's a tennis scene. Uh, he's not playing tennis with his mom like like in the 1974 version. He's just watching. Um, yeah, and- you know, I think that's pretty funny. So we didn't talk about it in the first one, but there is a scene right before he asks him his mom for the ten thousand, where they're playing tennis, and he's obviously really gunning for her. You know, yeah. his mother. You know, trying to <laughs> you know hit her with the tennis ball, I and mean, it's real apparent. I think it's funny in this scene uh, in the second movie because instead he's not playing. He's actually having one of his students from his class 
who's a, a, a like ranked second in the nation in college tennis or whatever, play against his mom. And right. he's just sitting there looking like the referee with a big umbrella. <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty funny. I will say this too, and it, it, we'll talk about it maybe as we go along. This movie had a lot of funny elements to it, uh, yes. much more than I remember. The first movie, eh, not, not that much humor, but this one, there are some legitimately funny lines and scenes. And that's one of them when he's sitting there watching play tennis. And the subtle humor comes out even more having, so I watched these movies back to back. And so when they go to the tennis scene and he's not playing, but he's sitting there, like that was funnier to me, I think, because I, because I know the parallel. And right. I'm like, of course, Michael Wal- or uh, Mark Wahlberg's version of this character obviously isn't actually playing tennis, right? Yeah, right. right. It's you're right. It's definitely funnier if you've seen. It might not be funny at all if you haven't seen the first movie, but yeah, right. if you've seen them both, it's funny. So he, he talks to his mom. Implication for money doesn't work. Uh, he then goes and meets John Goodman, who's another loan shark. In a spa? <laughs> oh my gosh. I've seen so much topless John Goodman from this movie. I don't think I never need to say it again. See? Oh, he, I mean, he just chews up the seat. He's great. I love John Goodman. So good. you know, he's, and, and yeah, he's in a spa, you know, shaving his head. And uh, yeah, this is all kind of style over substance, but uh, it works. It definitely works. <laughs> it, 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 yes, it did work. Uh, John Goodman's few scenes in this were were just so good. I know. Yep. <laughs> he's he's got to be someone where if it if something doesn't work, it's got to be in the script, right? You know, like uh, yeah. he's he's got to be that kind of an actor where you're like, uh, okay, this scene isn't working, and I don't think it's in front of the camera. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. Uh, he's so good. Frank, uh, Frank, uh, John Goodman plays Frank. Frank points out that even if he does loan him money, he knows he's not going to use it to pay it off. With the line. When was the last time you had money in your hand to pay a debt and you paid it? Which is a fantastic line. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I'm not saying that like, but like we all know there's better things to do with our money, right? <laughs> I mean, not, not very, I hope that very few of us uh, have debts that we have to, we that we're skipping out because we're getting, but we, we all know there's better things to do with our money than gamble. <laughs> Uh, that, <laughs> uh, Neville calls for his money or calls and presses him for the money. He spends time in a classroom and talks with students. He talks to the ball player. He, uh, he's taking a bath and he's watching his ball player students, uh, on the TV. His- yeah. And that's kind of a throwback to the scene in the first movie, although right. he doesn't have any money on this game, but that's all it is, is sort of a callback. And you kind of see what I'm saying. You know, he's watching it on TV. It's not the same kind of thing. You know, yep. when you're when you're hearing the radio and you're listening along with Axel in the first movie, you're kind of feeling the emotion. This is almost like, oh, well, there was a bathtub scene in the first one. Let's throw one in here. So <laughs> do you do you still want, listen to sports on the radio? I very much so baseball okay. uh, because I like having it on while I'm doing other things. OK, so, yeah, when, when there's a Padre game on, I'm usually yeah, it's almost always on the radio. OK, the only time I'm watching a Padre game is if, you know, it's late and I'm in bed. Yeah, I, I only baseball, though. I'll say this. I, I very rarely listen to any other sports on the radio. I used to listen to with uh, I had season tickets one season for the Washington Wizards. It was the season they had Paul Pierce mm-hmm. and I would occasionally listen to 
uh, I would listen to games I either couldn't go to or away games uh, on the radio because I felt like invested with the team, yeah. and I and I didn't have a TV or anything like that, so the radio was the only way to 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 listen to the game. Yeah, yeah. But it's if it, it feels like it's you know when I do it, I feel like I'm taking a step back in time. You know, like I feel well, like I'm sure. I mean, yeah. you know, 1974, they made a point that you know the the basketball game that he bet on was not going to be on TV, and I can tell you, you know, growing up. When the Padres were on television in the 70s, it was a big deal. Oh, my gosh, the Padre game is on TV. It yeah. was always an away game, and there were very few. We're spoiled now where every single game is on, you know, every night. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, a, it's definitely a step back. But I love audio, too. Hey, we're podcasters, so there you go. <laughs> That's exactly right. He, so there's a handful of these scenes that sort of just sort of move the, the story along. And it, it, th- this set of scenes mark i was like okay this is a different movie right <laughs> yeah. because there's there's not a lot of gambling talk there's not a lot of like even like there's literally even indications of gambling you don't see it in him right and mm-hmm. it's and it's in and he, they touch on this later like at the towards the end of the movie but you see so much of his life that isn't gambling but you still they still address his problems right with with life and stuff like this so anyways that's what's happening and he's in a conversation with his mother and he makes the comment, I can't help doing this. And her response is, oh, don't tell me it's some sort of disease or something or whatever, like tries to, try to scoffs at it. But I thought that was an interesting line. I can't help doing this. Yeah. The And getting back to what you were saying, less gambling. Yeah, it's almost like a guy who just has money problems <laughs> or has no respect for money. Yeah. Uh, more than gambling. Yeah, that is kind of the way it's presented. I didn't think about that. Yep. Uh, but his mother goes deep into the bank for the money. Uh, she, she gets out the almost quarter million dollars. Uh, so that way, um, he can handle, uh, uh, handle his business. And like in the first one with all that money, he goes with, uh, his, uh, his, his interest to a casino. It looked like Morongo casino. I thought so too. Yeah. I thought it was Morongo. Uh, it was, I, I'm glad you mentioned in the first movie that the mother had to go to two separate accounts to get him the money because I thought that was significant. It's almost like she's really going yep. the extra, you know, where in this case it was just one, you know, account and they were rude to the <laughs> teller. Right. But uh, yeah, it is a difference. I, I think it was a more, more painful for the mother in the first one. But yeah, I agree. It looked like Morongo to me as well. Yes. And that, you know, it's, uh, that would make sense. They don't need to go to Vegas. Right. But it was kind of nice in the first movie that, oh, wow, they go to Vegas, right? It's such a big deal. Here it's just, you know, the local casino. So uh, before we get, you made the comment of he's in California, but he's going to this back room uh, place to gamble. Yeah. One thing, this is the the thing that illegal gambling will always have on legalized gambling is credits. Yeah, and that's that's why that's right. why he that's was. Ex- yeah, exactly. That's exa- yeah, yep. that's exactly why he why yep. he's there. I, I I couldn't remember if you if we had mentioned that. In, in no, a, we didn't. A, but you're yeah. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the look if they were if they were dealing out credits uh in the same way at the local casinos we would just go there right uh, yeah. but uh you know the process of getting a marker is much more stringent um than it yep. is when you go to a back room back room yep. parlor and not that i know mark i've never been to a back room parlor uh, nor, you know, have, I, nor I have i pulled either. money out yeah yeah there you go uh he so he's hanging out with uh with brie larson who is his his student and also sort of love interest 
Uh, her name's Amy um, in the uh, character's name is Amy. Brie Larson, uh, another uh, was sort of like this great act- actor that no one. And then and then she became um, what, which character does she play? Uh, Captain uh, Marvel. She played. Captain uh, Marvel, yeah. yeah. Um, so just another uh, great actor that got added to this cast list. <laughs> and it's so funny. I, I'm so embarrassed because for whatever reason, I have trouble recognizing Brie Larson. I can't tell you how many times we've been watching a show or something. And I'll say to my wife, oh, who is that? And she thinks I'm joking <laughs> because it happens so often. I don't know why. She's very attractive. Do you know? I I, I don't know. I just yeah. can never recognize Brie Larson. And even in this one, something we, we didn't mention, and this is a little odd. Not only is she a student in his class, but she was also a cocktail waitress at the backroom oh, casino. Yeah, that's and right. I, you know, I think one of the reasons we didn't mention is because like it, doesn't really come up other than we find out very early on that she sort of knows a secret about him that the other students don't know. I, but, I, I imagine it was the, the, I think it was, they were creating a plot device that made it easier or made more, made, it made more sense for the viewer of why he would be open to letting someone into this part of his life. Because okay, he's always, yeah, that could be right. And the, yeah, the the romantic interest is certainly different from the first movie because Amy in this movie is obviously attracted by these characteristics. Yeah, a risk taker, uh, maybe even the self loathing, that kind of thing. You know, whereas uh, uh, Billy, the girlfriend in the first movie, that drives her away. Right. Uh, she has a great line walking through. If anybody, look, uh, no, uh, no, no hate towards the people who uh, go to local casinos in the middle of the day, <laughs> but we have all we've all made a snarky comment like this. Uh... <laughs> she makes a comment. There's something wrong with everyone here. They look like they should be in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's and that's definitely you know what the filmmaker shows before she even makes the comment. These yep. people, most of them sitting at slots. Yep, right. Yep. The he goes to a blackjack table. Uh, he puts down five hundred dollars, and the dealer responds, "That's five hundred dollars." And he says, "Yes, it is." Are you a dealer or investment counselor? Um, which um, I don't know. Have you ever have you ever had a dealer comment on your bet size because of concern, not because mm-hmm. not because of like of whether or not it's okay or allowed, or just making sure. I want to sh- like making sure you're aware, but like expressing concern that you're betting that much. No. And I, you know, I didn't like that uh, it, coming from the dealer. There's a, yep. a scene with the same dealer later on where uh, Jim wants to hit a 13. We don't even see the dealer's up card in this situation. This was frustrating about this scene. Jim wants to hit a 13 and the dealer kind of looks like at him, him like you sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What dealer would care if you're hitting a 13 in any situation, regardless of what the up card is, regardless of what basic strategy is, yeah. you say hit on a 13, no dealer's going to you know, roll their eyes. They're going to give you a card. So yeah, there's some extra mellow drama, and there's certainly way more mellow drama in this movie than the first one that sometimes works, and this is just a case where it really didn't work. So this, so this is the thing that I noticed in this in, in this scene. He's standing the entire time. There is no chance a floor manager doesn't tell him to sit down at some point. I, I have gotten, notice. I have gotten up 
I, from pie gal tables after setting my hand and been scolded by floor yeah. managers that I'm not allowed to stand up while the hand's occurring, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was like, man, he's just standing there the whole time. Um, at the at the at the parlor, who cares? They don't care. He's just blown, but like sure, uh, right, the casino, right. I was like, come on, he's yeah. I can stand it the whole time. Yeah. Anyways, he gets the eighteen, like we've seen in the nineteen seventy four movie. He gets the eighteen. He asks for the three. There's no like grace. There's no like, oh, I'm blessed. He's just like, no, give me the three, and he gets it. Um, so the 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 vibe, the the reasoning is almost different. It almost shows more of the just sort of risk taker and not so much the um the feeling of blessed or or whatever. Well, it's a throwaway scene. I, I don't really realize what they're going for here other than mimicking the original. And and it's it's not all that well done. Agreed. If you're not a gambler, you there's no suspense. You wouldn't even realize what happened there. Oh, good, he won a hand. Right. There's no build up at, uh, build up to it at all. Yeah, this was they missed on this. I again, all it is 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 a callback and it's a throwaway. Agreed. He goes through all of his cash while Amy just sort of sits around and waits, which I think uh, I kind of like that they show that that's what she was doing because this is something we've all seen at some point, right? The person yeah. who's just playing at the table and their their friend or whoever just sort of like not just sort of waiting. And this is very different than the scene. You know, there's a lot of parallels, but this the scenes don't work don't end or work out the same because. You know, James Kahn's run ended up with him profiting at the tables in a big yeah, amount, yeah. whereas Mark Wahlberg just blew all his cash at the table, right? Yeah. But it's it's meant to be the same parallel, the same scene of going with the girl interest to the casino, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, his his shark catches up with him and inquires uh, about the the basketball player. I think it was Neville. Neville catches up with him and, and inquires about the basketball player. The Koreans end up coming to his house and and looking for money. And here's a great here's a great line from the uh, I I didn't get the lead, from Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. There is yeah, Mr. Lee. Uh, I think you want to hurt yourself, but want us to do it for you. Yes, I wrote down that same line, and I, I think it was actually, but make others do it for you. Right. Yeah. It's okay. sort of a general statement. The only reason I corrected you there is because I think that's also what James Con character James James Con's character wants in the first movie. Right. He feels like, you know, he deserves this. And, you know, that's how the movie ends, right? You know, he doesn't hurt himself. He gets somebody else to hurt him for him. So you know, now now I think about it, I think uh I may be oversimplifying. I, I've I've been grouping um I guess there's there's two backroom casinos here. Um uh there's one yes. later that that he says the Korean joint. I actually um I'm just gonna just sound like an ignorant white man to say like I'm I think I'm I'm making the assumption uh or I'm I'm applying that label to both, but I I actually don't know. Um Mr. Lee, that might be a Chinese joint. Um what, uh yeah, you're right. The, yeah. Uh yeah, I think I you're right. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The first one Chinese and then the, yeah. the scene towards the end is a different backroom casino. Cuz they, uh, they don't yeah. make the distinction in the first one, but in the later one he does say uh the Korean uh, the, yes, the right. Korean place, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, um yes. yeah. So so different different entities um uh, there. Yeah. But yeah, that's a very powerful line. Um yeah. Know, oh yeah. That, yeah oh, I know you. that wrapped up a lot of sentiment from both films. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's turning into a seek another sequence of scenes. Uh, but it's it, this felt like it. This next sequence of scenes after that, like it's just like the people who he owes money to coming and asking for the money, and he's just like, I don't have it. 
And it's different from the James Caan movie because James Caan had the stereotypical, I will have it, I will get it. Whereas Mark Wahlberg's character was flat out saying, I don't have it and I won't get it. Like yeah, almost like true. I like I'm not gonna like I, I know I don't have it, nor is there a, a, a plan to have it ever. Yeah, like like Mark Wahlberg's character is maybe even more self-destructive in that way. Right. A defeatist, yeah. Yeah. Uh Neville then uh turns to to Jim and makes the request uh to have Lamar, who is a basketball player in uh, in in his class to shave points, of course, um, you know, a, a parallel with the 1974 yeah, movie. Parallel. Yep. He goes to me- a meeting with Frank uh, at a club, and John Goodman has a fantastic monologue about financial freedom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that. That's not what it's called. If you look for the scene on YouTube, it's called it's called the <laughs> "fuck you" scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's ultimately about the power of financial freedom, and it's really well written. And it's uh, really, agreed, yeah, yeah no, agreed. I, and and like a lot of the dialogue in this film, I think it is really well written. It's not realistic, but it's well written, right? Yes. So, but then he ultimately loans Jim the money uh, one last time to get right. It makes it very clear, like if 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 this goes belly up, it's not just you who dies, but after you die, your family will get it too. Uh, like I'll go down your bloodline <laughs> and then he goes to the Koreans and also gets uh, them to stake him money, which I didn't get that one that like I, I kind of you see you see Frank have some I don't know. I, I don't know if it was just the way that John Goodman presented it or or what, but like um, when he goes back to um, uh, I say Mr. Lee, I'm sorry, when he goes back to Mr. Lee. He asks him for the money, and or he asks him to get staked, and the, he gets the money out of them again. I didn't get that one. Yeah, um, and it's kind of hard to tell that that happened too right after the scene. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's not as clear cut. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, so you see, you see, Jim park a car and signal over to the tennis player that's that's in his class that played tennis with his mom. Um, and, and then you go to the basketball game and the game goes on, uh, and they, they really make the, they made this game way more suspenseful than it needed to be. <laughs> I, I was so, I mean, I just, I just assume people have seen, it's, I've, I've been told to not worry about spoilers because people should watch these movies ahead of time if they, if they care to hear people talk about it. So, yeah. so there's like a minute 30 left and the team that Lamar's team, who's a favorite who's supposed to lose by seven or, or who's supposed to, who can't win by more than seven points. They're up by like three or five and Neville is starting, starting to like panic. And I, I kind of get it because yeah, Lamar's kind of going off, but his team was losing just 30 seconds ago. Right. And so Lamar comes back in and gets his team rights. And, and I, I don't get the suspense in the sense that um, now that he's up, if you truly believe that the play is on, you should trust that it's, that it is good. But then Lamar throws up a shot at the, in like the last seconds for no reason, like yeah. it, it, it adds this element of suspense. I, I guess what they were trying to do is like maybe uh, head fake on like whether or not he was actually in on the play, 
right? Or maybe he's like, maybe he decided to say screw it and screw everybody. But what I, <laughs> it was so unnecessary, right? He didn't, he didn't need to shoot the ball and yeah, intentionally miss. Like this it, gets, this gets back to the first film being more realistic because in the first film, the basketball player just runs out the clock. Yes. Right. He, you know, he just dribbles till the time runs out, which of course is what you would do unless you're really going to brick a shot. And I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's manipulative. You know, it's just to, to add the suspense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and it works out for everybody. Uh, and Neville, when he's meeting with, when Jim's meeting with Neville, Neville says someone in Vegas made a very large bet, uh, who also took the eight point spread for a lot of money. And he seems very concerned about this. Yeah. And, I, I, I kind of get it because you. I assume that Neville's is, Neville's booking through illegal means, yeah. which means there aren't legal operators taking a signal on this. Um, and as a as a him illegally doing it, he doesn't want to tip anybody involved in this process that there is that that there might be something poor happening here yeah uh, or something but it also because that's not like i only know that because i understand this industry that there's no like there's no reason his it felt so unnecessary for, yeah, yeah and all they're i think all they're trying to do is tip you to what you end up finding in the next scene uh, that's all they're doing yeah 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 but like this his concern about it and stuff like that like uh, okay yeah anyways uh, Jim then tells Frank to meet him at the Korean place. We do get the um um to get his to get Frank's money. And he has his money, and like Frank agrees, which I thought was really weird. If I was the powerful man that Frank was, and this dude owed me owed me this much money, I'd be like, "Fuck you! You bring up you bring my money to me." And yeah. Frank doesn't even push back. He's like, whatever. I know the place. I'll be like, yeah, based on what we know about Frank up to this point, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I guess you could argue that, oh, you know, he's curious. He wants to see what happens. But yeah, no, I, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, rather than pay up because uh, rather than pay up to Mr. Lee or to uh, or to Frank, uh, he's going to place it all on roulettes and he chooses black and the ball lands black 22 and he makes some comments to mr lee of like i i was playing for him and pointing to frank and then says i'm not actually a gambler and then leaves the parlor right now i actually had to rewind and watch that three times to like try to grasp what it was that jim's character was trying to imply but uh, yeah, and then he, he he starts walking away. Frank offers him a rye. He declines. Frank says, "There's even a little bit more off the top if you want it." And he says, "No." And Frank says, "How much money do you have on him?" And he says, "Not a cent." And then he just starts running, and you can tell that this running is this like new sense of freedom, rights, and 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 at least that's sort of what it feels like. And it made me wonder if the line "I'm not actually a gambler" was him sort of finally decide like like this was like the shift in personality of like i this isn't who i am and i'm not going to do this anymore or if he if that was a if that was the 
what we're talking about in the, the self-loathing and the like how self-loathing is manifesting in gambling. He's like, that was like the culmination of that, of realizing it's not the gambling I have a problem with. Like, I'm just, I just treat myself like shit. I don't yeah, know. I, there are a lot of different ways you can look at it. I think it's him saying he's not a gambler because he's not going to gamble anymore, which, you know, is not realistic. We're moving towards a happy Hollywood ending here that sort of undermines the rest of the movie, but that is the way they wanted to go. Uh, that's how I would interpret it. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, that was it. Uh, he, he runs, he runs to, uh, to Amy's apartment. You see Amy briefly and then it's done. And, and I, I guess we should say, cause we didn't really definitely talk about this. What he okay. had done was he gave money to the tennis player to go in and oh, bet in right. Vegas. Right? right. And so the tennis player comes back with the winnings. That's right. And so, you know, part of the happy ending is that Jim is going to have all this money. Yes. Now, again, this gets back to the unrealistic nature of the gambling in this movie. There's no way this kid could have gotten that much money down on a college basketball game by just going to a sports book in Vegas. Yeah. that That's the story. That's how it, you know, plays out. But there's no way that would have happened. So. Right. Um. The, you know, self-loathing was definitely the underlying theme uh, of, of both of these movies. Right. And as I was watching the first one, so as a, as a gambler, I enjoyed the first one more. As a gambler, I enjoyed the first one more too. Yes. As a, um, as a, as a person who enjoys movie movies just as a as a member of the public i think i might have enjoyed the second one more i don't know if i'd go that far i might put them on even footing i will say this without picking one or the other i enjoyed watching both of these more the second time oh interesting the first time both of them and that goes yeah. for both of them okay yes uh-huh yes so i i think what what gives me the the liking the second one from non-gambling perspective well you know i can't even say that because the things i was about to say there's some lines in it that really that i really really liked but they um some of them had to do like with gambling yeah i don't know i i still think i a, a tick more just because i kind of liked um mark Wahlberg's take on this character yeah uh, yeah i uh the acting in both movies was excellent yeah i'll say that yeah um and yeah uh um john goodman's character was really good. I thought brie larson did a fantastic job yep um yeah so um yeah i'm gonna give gambling i'm uh give me the first one non-gambling give me the second one okay fair yeah um okay that uh so we the, the past couple of these we've recorded privately we're putting them in the feed uh we um i was hoping to do the uh this one on a live stream like we like we've done before but uh sort of my my work week was uncertain that i didn't want to commit to a time and then possibly have to to bail on everybody if i have to bail on mark that's one thing but if i but the bailing on the audience is a uh is another thing but uh if the 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 intention to do these live like we have in the past definitely is still there we, I think we should go back to the plan of doing Let It Ride. 
Okay. Uh, with a, a second movie. And of course, someone I think suggested a second movie. And of course, I I uh forgot to pull that up to for reference. Um, but Let It Ride will definitely be the first movie, and then uh I will have to find the recommendation someone had for uh the second movie. You know, I don't know if you some a, a movie that I just saw. Uh, who was it? Mark Metzl, Mark Meltzer, I think, was talking. Um, was tweeting about it. I think it's called like Wild Card or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. With, With Jason uh, Statham. Jason Statham. Yeah. Uh huh. Is that I, a, is that a gambling movie or just happens to have a gambling scene? It, it. I believe it takes place in Vegas. I have not seen it, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, I I know that I don't think it got very good reviews, but you know I'm yeah. open to watching anything. So again, I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, that'll that'll probably be on the list. I'm gonna see if I can find something that's a little bit more uh well paired with Let It Ride. Okay. Um, but that will be the uh that'll be the next one, and uh we will uh I will set it up and I I will schedule with Mark with more confidence and and ahead of time better so that way we can plan on doing this uh live because we like hearing everybody's thoughts uh in the chat and, and interacting with everybody. So let me say one more a couple more oh, things please. before you sign off. Um. Uh, we said that the the original gambler from 74 we had to pay for so i imagine most people probably have to pay for it if they want to stream it the uh 2014 version i watched on freebie which is a free streaming service i don't oh, know how you okay. watched that one um it was available on amazon prime you could watch it free with ads, but I paid the two, three dollars to rent it without ads, so I could get oh, through it without. Okay, the, well there you yeah. go. And on Freebie, it is also with ads, so uh, okay, there you go. And then one final thought: I, I should have mentioned this before, but in the the original movie from 1974, they should have given a co-starring credit to James Con's chest hair because <laughs> it got more screen time than any other person in that movie. So. Oh, that's the that's an excellent. That's an His excellent shirts are so oh my gosh, like the top five buttons are undone in every scene. Oh, it's too <laughs> funny. Uh, the Mark Wahlberg's uh, wardrobe though was one I envied. Just he just uh, had well fitting, nice clothes the whole time. Um, and I'm went, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to dress like that. Like, no, I'd be paying the butt <laughs> to dress like that all the time. Yeah. Um, okay. Let it ride and a movie that's TBD uh, is next, and then I think the the grab bag uh, episode following that uh, will will come after. Hopefully, Mark. I mean the the new see. I mean, there's there's new seasons of things coming out. Is there yep. anything that you're particularly excited about? Uh, from a gambling perspective, no, I don't right. know of anything on the horizon. No, yeah. Um, but I mean, just in general, I mean, I, I imagine people uh, listen to this because they also just like TV and movies in general. Yeah. In general, you know, I guess, uh, the game of Thrones prequel, uh, Lord of the Rings prequel. Those are sort of the, you know, high concept ones coming up. Um, yeah, gosh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything coming up in the future other than those big ones so uh rick rick and morty season comes out in three sure. weeks i believe Rick and morty and of course a new season of ted lasso you know yes. things like that that we all love so hoping we get a couple so uh solar opposites which is uh co-created by justin roiland who right. also uh co-created rick and morty there was an episode in the most recent season. I wasn't crazy about the season in its entirety, but there is an episode that sort of makes fun of sports betting. So um, the I think it's episode seven, I want to say. but uh, And you can 
and solar opposites is one of those shows that you do not need to watch you can just go straight to that episode and watch it and 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 appreciate it or not appreciate it for what it is but um there's a gambling themed episode of a, of a recent show hopefully we got something from rick and morty and ted lasso i need to finish i need to watch the last season of better call saul now that uh everything uh, has dropped uh so lots lots of tv to watch on the horizon yeah, better call saul uh a great a worthy companion to breaking bad just fantastic uh, did you watch uh, this last up. season oh yeah mm-hmm. yep. is it yep. oh okay and, it's, and, that's great did, yeah it, well, okay very good yeah, i'm not here. gonna give anything away no, please don't uh, you, you know one thing i i should mention this uh dan Harmon has a new uh animated series coming out i don't think it comes out till next year but it's called crapopolis animated series it takes place like in ancient rome or is it ancient Greece? <laughs> it's ancient Greece, sorry. Um, and we saw a preview of it um, at uh, Comic-Con. They didn't even have a, a completely finished episode, but, you know, same kind of humor. Um, it uh, stars, uh, oh, I'm going to get his name here. Um, Duncan uh, Matt Barry, who is one of the vampires in What We Do in the Shadows, another great show. He's got this deadpan British accent. He's fantastic. Uh, Richard Ayode, I, I, I'm going to get his name pronounced wrong. Richard Ayode, I think. He was one of the stars and creators of the IT um, the IT Club. Is it the IT? Oh, it's a British sitcom about, you know, IT workers in a um, uh, an office. The IT, oh, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't come up with it, but he's hilarious. So anyway, Crapopolis coming up. Um, IT Crowd, the IT Crowd. Crapopolis next year, Dan. Harmon. Okay, uh, but I also see in that cast list Hanning, Hannah Waddingham. Oh yes, uh huh, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, she plays uh, one of the goddesses. So yeah, fun. Very good. All right, Mark. We will try to do this in roughly four weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Where is the damn stop button?